Welcome to the John Papaloni Show. Today we have Deborah Razzo. Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, John. Absolute pleasure. Let's start off the podcast with a bio of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. <laughs> how long have you got? <laughs> it's kind of a long story, but um, I'll try to synopse it. You know, um, who I am, I'm Deborah Razzo. I'm a women real estate investor. Um, so, uh, how I got here was kind of a long and windy road. I've been an entrepreneur for over 30 years, but about almost 14 years ago, I had a car accident and it was, um, an opportunity to start over. And I think like a lot of people, they've had those opportunities. Some of them come in the form of a divorce or the death of a loved one. Some of them might be having opportunities like that right now with COVID, right? <laughs> um, but mine, mine came in an accident and um, I was really injured in this car, in car um, accident. Um, it was a, a, a blown tire, but we ended up flipping in the car. So we flipped wow. driver's side first. So I got crushed. And um, I was there back to a hospital and I was actually told I had a broken neck. And that was the beginning of a, about a year of recovery. And, you know, during time like that, you have a lot of time to think. And I didn't have a bad life, but it wasn't the life I dreamt of. Right. <laughs> and I was like, OK, I want passive income. I want to I want to, you know, I want to be able to travel the world. I want my own time freedoms. Right. And even though I had my own business, what I had really done is I had made myself a job. Right. Right. So I, I started on this journey of wanting to become a real estate investor. And um, it's been just a long and windy road, um, but it's wonderful. And during along the way, um, I have. Um, picked up, you know, a, a, a tribe of other women real estate investors, and I started the Women's Real Estate Network. And so we're a national organization of, of investors who network together to get deals done. So I don't know, is, is <laughs> does that give you an idea? <laughs> who I yeah. am? I do? Yeah, absolutely. Now, that's interesting. That's interesting. Now, obviously, that sounds like there's no men allowed. And how come men are not allowed to get involved in this? Oh, my God. You know, it's not that there's no men allowed because I've had tons of great instructions from men. It's just, um, you know, I think anybody who wants a mentor, you know, and I think men do this, too. You, you look at a mentor, you look at somebody who's like you. And, you, you know, you look at a man who's doing what it is you want to do. Well, women are the same. And it just so happens in this environment, in this realm, real estate investing, there's not a lot of women. And so it, it was just an opportunity for us to, you know, foster, you know, come together and foster relationships to help empower each other. You know, we have similar um things to talk about we you know a lot of us are married a lot of us have children that we're raising a lot of us are you know going through similar things aging parents or whatever and so we just you know kind of try to become a tribe and help each other out it's not anti-men at all <laughs> no i didn't think it was but and, and i kind of figured that's what it was but i had to put my little uh, two cents in there you know and uh <laughs> no but i mean honestly speaking that's uh great right because i mean i think too many times everyone tries and it's usually led by fear, but they try to be everything for everyone. Mm. And usually they become nada for no one, right? Mm. Like, and, and every time you tell somebody, I mean, clearly I came from the marketing background <clears throat> and um, 
Yeah. So uh, every time I used to be in the, when I was in the marketing business, every time I said, who's your target? And the answer was always everyone. And, you know, like it is frightening in a sense to have a niche mm-hmm. because it could be looked at as limited. Yeah. I, I, I would assume it could be looked at that way. I, and I think that, you know, if you look big picture, we're all doing business together, right? Men, women, everything. I mean, real estate is kind of, is a team sport. I, um, I, I have no doubt about that. And, and it was really interesting going from the mindset of being kind of a, a solopreneur, you know, kind of a yeah. lone wolf to going to a mindset of, of, of having to, of forming relationships and building a team. Um, you know, I mean, and there are men and women on my team. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, I started out as a flipper here in Los Angeles. And then with the money that I got flipping, I would buy um, buy and hold single families. And I ended up starting in Memphis. I have a small portfolio there. And then I started growing, you know, and and, buy, and purchasing more. And keep in mind, my outcome, right, was that life I wanted, right? right? I wanted the passive income so that I could travel the world and do, you know, be on my own schedule and do what I wanted to do, right? Um, but that took a lot of mind, that took a lot of shifting my mindset, as well. And I actually started doing a lot of personal development work. I, I ended up in the Tony Robbins realm and I've actually worked for him now. I help people transfer, trans, you know, transform at the events. And, um, and it's been really fulfilling, you know, and that's part of why I, I, I'm with the Women's Real Estate Network too. It's really great to be able to help people along their journey as well, you know, especially after you've made some progress on yours. Yeah, which you got, I have so many questions here and I know by the time I get through, through them, I'm going to forget half of it, but <laughs> Hey, you know what? Let's shoot for the moon and try to see what I end up with here. Um, because, uh, wow. I, I mean, I'm finding this fascinating, right? Cause, um, you know, like it's not just the women thing. Let, 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 let me be clear. What, what I'm finding fascinating is the fact that you found a niche to get what you want, but you still managed to find your, a way to get into personal development. Plus, you're accumulating these single family homes, which I know, especially since I'm an agent and a mortgage agent, I mean, a real estate and mortgage agent, I know that there's restrictions when you get into single family homes and it becomes difficult. So I want to unpack that on how this worked out. And like you started off with a single family home, you started off as the lone wolf. And uh, and again, you're you're developing this network. So I'm assuming there's going to be some joint ventures in there. Mm-hmm. And, well, um, the network didn't come first or at the same time, right? No. Um, I started out as a lone wolf. And like I said, I was flipping and then I would make some money and then I'd buy a single family home, right? Um, and okay, so I did that. And first of all, I got to tell you, like scared to death, by the way, hello. <laughs> you know, like probably a lot of re- people who like, oh, you know, I want to do real estate. It, you know, like there's a lot of, hesitation involved, you know, because you don't know how it works, right? So, you know, you have to work through all of that. And then, um, and then started accumulating more and more in my portfolio. But it wasn't very long until I realized, you know, that dream I had of like living independently, it was going to take X amount of dollars. Well, I was going to need to increase my portfolio by a lot. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't think I can flip that much. You know, like I, like I want to do it soon. Like anybody, like you want to start your life, the life you want to live sooner than later. Of course. And I think that's when the realization came to me that like, I can't do it lone wolf. I can't like, I need people. I need help. I need partners. I need, you know, and I think that's when I really started realizing like, well, where are the women? (laughs) You know, and that's when I, that's when I started forming Ren. 
Um, not that I don't have male partners, I do, but um, I think it was easier for me to reach out to other women and go, how are you doing this? You know? So um, that's how it started. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think everybody goes through the fear. Now, I'll tell you a little story about, you know, a true life story about myself here. And I started, um, like, as my agent, I have the agent license, as I said, and all that. But my real goal wasn't really to sell homes. Maybe when I started, it was. But now I'm kind of lost interest in it. And I want to get into the investing part as well. I know I had little things here and there. And when interest rates went up, I kind of started, I sold off everything and just kind of uh, regrouped and said, where do I want to be? And what do I want to do? I thought it was wonderful. I love Florida. I'm from Toronto, Ontario. Let's go to Florida. I thought this was great. I was going to look at places. I saw some places and I saw one and I thought, oh, you know what? I want to get into this place and all that. I got all excited. Now, the mortgage payment for that was $42,500 a month. And the uh, income was fifty eight nine or something like that. Something stupid like that. I don't remember the exact numbers. This is a few months back. Now, I didn't know much about Florida other than it was hot and I liked it there. And then, um, so I was there on my first trip to Florida because I've been there a few times now. Then um, I went there and I thought, okay, I'm going to put this deal together. Everything's going wonderful and all that. Then um, fear hit, hits in. And what sealed the deal where I backed out wasn't even the numbers because the numbers were okay. They weren't the best numbers, but they were okay. And what sealed the deal for me is they had hurricane. I did not know Florida had hurricanes at the time, and I didn't know to what level they had it, and it just freaked the crap out of me. And then, um, so that ended up happening, and I like, yeah, so I didn't proceed with that, although I was amazed that I can get a mortgage with that much. I never thought anybody would lend me that, and I realized I have a gift here. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right. So, but where I'm going with this is that now, you know, now I'm going through things. I'm going back to Florida. Now I understand more. I understand more of what I'm looking for, more experience. Like I said, it's not my first purchase. I've been in the real estate game forever, and my uh, parents were uh, landlords, so I've been around this my whole life. But uh, it's always that fear because... I don't like single family homes. I don't like condos, aside from the fact that I'm living in one now, aside from that. But I mean, I'm living wherever is cheaper because I use my money for investments, right? Which is the smart way to do it. But I don't like single family homes. I think it's one rent. You lose the one rent and you're not collecting and then you're screwed. That's just the way I look at it. So I like multiplexes. And uh, with that being said, that's what I like to look at. But I'm looking at things now and things are getting tight. Investors are pulling back and, you know, it's very scary. Like there's been a few times that I thought, you know what, I'm going to put my project on hold and do nothing with it. My media business is busy. busy. My real estate business is busy. And with everything that's going on, I see turmoil. I see many bankruptcies happening. I see all this stuff. And I said, maybe I should wait. Now, reality is that's the point I'm getting at is that I think we all have fear. And I think at some point in time, we got to figure out what we're going to do about it. And, and I love how you didn't let it stop you. Yeah, you know what? It's um, I, you're right. We all have fear. I have fear. You know, I have fear. But I think my fear of not getting the life I want is higher than my fear of of what it is I'm looking at in front of me. And it's interesting because I went through a phase right when I was beginning. Um, I was in Los Angeles. I thought I'll buy. You know, like I was looking at buying a buy and hold in Los Angeles. And I, and then the numbers totally don't work here for anybody who doesn't know. The the you know the purchase of property here is really high, and you can't get you know the rent for it to even make a margin like the margin that you just mentioned in in Florida. And um, so I was like looking at oh well I have to I have to purchase something out of state which brought up a lot of fear for me, 
right? Like, you know, you're saying, okay, hurricanes, whatever it was. And I went to a real estate club meeting and I met somebody who had purchased property, who has rental property out of country. And I was like, how do they do that? Like, you know, I, I was just amazed. And I had this real thought when I was driving home, just like, what is this about? This is about risk tolerance, right? Mm -hmm. well, how do you mitigate risk tolerance? Well, for me, I mitigate it through education, right? Learning about hurricanes, learning about insurances, learning about how people survive that, right? And and for me, I mitigate risk tolerance by team. Like, do I feel like I have people that really know what they're doing on, on boots on the ground? Do I feel like I have a team I can trust? Do I feel like I have the team around me that's going to support that, right? Once I realized, oh, that's what I need to like kind of make me feel more secure. I mean, because that's what we're looking for, right? We're looking for a feeling that's like, okay, yeah. this is going to work, <laughs> right? So once I, exactly. once I realized that, I was like, okay, now I can put something in place to make me feel more secure to investing out of state, right? And, and so that's what I did. Now, are there issues that come up? Yeah. Would those issues come up if I was investing in state? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're just issues that, you know, like, I, you know, any business owner, that's all we deal with is I, I jokingly say my phone doesn't ring unless there's a problem at the other end, because when things are going smoothly, nobody calls me. I'm going to tell you, nobody calls to go, hey, those renters are paying on time. No one calls me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love that, right? And that, and you brought up the point there, right? It's the team. It's being collaborative. And that's kind of where I want to go with it because now I'm about to go to Florida again. And now I booked it. Now, some of it is business, actual business, business for my other stuff. Some of it is, again, for this capital business. I'm, uh, I've am i learned that team thing that you're talking about. Yeah. So now I'm trying to surround myself with the right people. And I think that's what I try, where my mistake was last time. I tried to be the lone wolf and I tried to go into a state that I knew nothing about. Yeah. Other than the fact that it was sunny and hot and there's no landlord rules or the landlord and tenant board rules like there is in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Right. I mean, we have the landlord and tenant board. I call it the tenant board because there's nothing for the landlords. You know, like, and, and that's fine. You just got to know where you are and where you're going. So, and but I the point is I, I didn't do enough research and right. I didn't build up the team. I tried to do it as the lone wolf Yeah. and look what happened. I missed out. I, like being honest, that was a pretty good deal but, and the interest yeah, rate was reasonable and I, I missed I, out on it. I totally respect the fact that you're going back. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't even do that. And I, and I'm like, no, go for your dream. If your dream is cash flow, go for it, you know, and, and, and get, build that confidence muscle. I'm going to call it confidence muscle. Build that confidence muscle. Cause once you do one and you understand the mechanics of it, you're like, Oh, I can do this. You know what I mean? It, it, it happens faster the next time. It's just the first time that it's, you know, it's really, um, hard to imagine, you know, but you've just got to step into it. It's, and, and congratulations on going back to, to Florida. Thank you. And like I said, I learned the, that, that it's really the team atmosphere. I got to build my network and I have, I know so many great people there and they all wanted to be on board and I just dismissed it. So this time I said, no, I'm going to do it the right way this time. I'll go there for my, uh, my alliance and then, uh, work from that. Well, I'll give you a little tip. If you want a little tip for me, absolutely. When I when I first started, I you know I bought a property and then I bought a second property and then I bought a third and then I bought a fourth, and um, I actually at one point I think I had five or six properties with four property managers. And people will say, "Why did you do that?" Right? Because it it 
it's a lot of paperwork. And the fact of the matter is I had never been a long distance property manager, manager. (laughs) And I was like, I need to know how different managers manage so that I can understand, you know, the differences, you know? And so it was really a great way for me to learn quickly, like how to determine who was a good manager and who wasn't or what questions to ask, or just even seeing the agreements from different managers and seeing what different managers wanted and didn't want. And, um, and I realized, oh, I see, like, I have to get on the phone with them right after I buy the property and, 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 and get with them to help them understand how I want the property run you know, and to form relationships. I think a lot of people realize, think that, you know, once you hire a manager, the relationship is established. It's not, it's still forming a relationship. And I jokingly call that giving good phone. I give really good phone. I ask what they're doing. I ask if their child's graduating college or, or, you know, what they're doing. And, and I'm forming those relationships so that we can work better together, you know? So I, I highly recommend you trying different managers and, and, and seeing what works for you. Absolutely. I get it. Now, again, I got an advantage of the fact that I'm in the real estate business. Um, in terms of contracts and uh, all that stuff, I don't worry about it. I'm, uh, I've been blessed that my accountant, lawyer, slash lawyer, um, between the two of them, I've been so incredibly blessed that they know that paperwork and stuff. I like, especially the fact that they operate on both sides of the border, because I got no idea what I'm doing <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to that paperwork. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like, and, and I have great people behind me on that. So there's stuff that I thought I can do. And they just looked at me and goes, yeah, that's wishful thinking. This is what you're really going to do. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right. So it's good. And that goes back to, you know, having that right alliance, right team and all that. And you're right. You're never going to find the right person the first try. Uh, I've been through like a a dozen accountants and lawyers before I found, you know, the one that worked for me. Like, I mean, the first lawyer that I found told, you know, yeah, first lawyer, yeah, told told me that, uh, like told me the way to do it was just to register a corporation and go and do it. And it was just so simple as that. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't sound that simple. Another one told me that I needed my mortgage license. I had an accountant that told me I don't even need to incorporate a sole proprietorship will be enough. Yeah, well, the liability is all on me then. Oh, but you don't always need to incorporate. There's too many restrictions with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I've been told so many messages. It got to the point that my head was spinning. And I had no idea who's what and right and whatever. And that's where I credit my podcast because I had an accountant that I knew of, but I've been resisting going to his firm because he was a little bit pricier than the most people I dealt with. So I've been resisting him. I've known him for years. And um, it was one of those things that he's got a really good reputation. Had him on my podcast and he answered my questions without me even asking them. And what I mean by that, it was like he answered the questions asked him on the podcast, but he got into so much detail that he was asking how to how to like he was answering the question on how to set up my fund before he even knew I wanted to set up a fund. He was just answering the podcast question. You know what I mean? And I looked at that and I said, well, you can get in this much detail and you don't even know what I want to do. And I said, okay, we need to have a conversation. You know what I mean? This is it. Right. And, and then, and then it's been, uh, you know, it's been home free ever since. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's a great, yeah. it's great when you fall in line with people like that. Absolutely. Which goes back again, you know, teamwork, collaboration and, I, I believe in uh, you know a term that uh, a lot of there's people out there that focus on why they want to know why for everything, and I find the ones that tend to focus on why 
end up have, having the problem of being, you know, of the paralysis by analysis. Mm. They're so busy in analyzing that every answer and every question starts with why. They never get past it. There's nothing wrong with not wanting to know why, but you got to move past that. Yeah. Then I find smaller operators want to figure out how. They don't think past that. How, how, how. But I think if you want to scale, and let, let's be clear, when most when we all started our business, we all started with why. The ones who started went moved past why and got into how. But we don't scale until we learn who, which is who is going to be there to support us, who's going to be on our team, who can get us to the next level, who can provide us the resources we need so we can scale and get to that next level, who has the ability to join with us, who has the right connections for all the services we need. Everything revolves around who when you're looking for scale. Yeah, I think that's why it's so important to realize who you're who you're surrounding yourself with. Absolutely, you know, surrounding yourself with those that can and do. <laughs> you know, because it's very important. You know, it's really important. I agree. Awesome. So moving forward to the next part is going to be that. So I mean, clearly, you're a big, big fan of single family homes, and my curiosity is to what about them attracts you oh okay so i started in single family <laughs> i guess i forgot to ask you what happened next <laughs> uh i started i bought a duplex and then i realized ooh, one roof two people right like okay oh this multi thing might you know might be good for me and um and i had been growing my rehabbing skills you know, all at the same time. Um, and then I met somebody that I could partner with um, where we started doing ground up construction. Got it. Right. So bigger projects, bigger money, bigger, bigger stuff. Um, so I started doing ground up construction. We were taking single family homes that were zoned multifamily and knocking them down and building fourplexes. Interesting. You know, great rents. Right. Except for I was a landlord in L.A., which I never really wanted to do. Right. Because the landlord laws here are very are all tenant friendly, you know. So um, but it was a great model for me to see and a great experience for me um, to do ground up. Um, so I started looking into multifamily and I went I started investing in other people's multifamily deals as a limited partner. And then um, and then I started acquiring multifamilies on for for myself as part of the general partnership team. So um, though and that's all team. That's all big team. Right. So I have three different multifamilies in Houston, in Phoenix and in Tempe, Arizona. And um, and then recently I acquired a small multifamily in Puerto Rico that we made into a bed and breakfast and we're just opening the bed and breakfast now. So it's been a journey. So it's been, I still have my single family. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, I like holding on to properties that cash flows. I, that's, I'll just tell you that in the first place, but I also have, I have also have expanded and, and in that expansion, learning even more how to, how to work with people. Right. Absolutely. It's like, a lot a lot larger groups that you're working with it's a lot more teamwork that you're you're do, doing and yeah um but yeah you know i i i've done a lot of different things and you know what my favorite is cash flow 100 <laughs> percent. that's my favorite yeah i won't touch stuff that doesn't cash flow i'm not interested i know there's a lot of people out there especially real estate agents not that i should knock them considering i'm one but um I'm one that too. preach I'm oh one too. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that part. But yeah, so 
a lot of them preach, oh, it's about the appreciation, yada, 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 yada. Well, watch the interest rates go up. And then eventually, as one of my colleagues is losing 41 grand a year, and most people with working jobs, guess what? They lost everything with that kind of bill. And you know what I mean? So that's not normal. Now he's in a normal part, but you know what I mean? Like, like, like I'm saying, so unless you have a high net worth, having that kind of, you know, loss is detrimental. And, and you cannot predict interest rates, but you can predict what you do. And cash flow can absorb higher interest rates because it just means your cash flow goes down a bit. You're not in a loss. So I always believe in everything should be cash flowing or it's not worth it. Appreciation is horse manure because you don't know what the future holds. Cash flow is guaranteed. You know what? Let's, uh, let's be honest. We hit a downturn right now. Price, home prices drop. Cash flow is still there. You're still getting paid. Prices go up. Rents go up. Still get cash flow. Interest rates go up, rents go up, cash flow. Every way you look at it, cash flow plays. And appreciation is one of those you're trying to time the market and that doesn't always work, especially if you have partners and investors because you may wait for the appreciation to come back after a drop. Your investors may want out. What then? Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you to one point um, that cash flow is king, right? You know, I mean, I, I look at I look at that too. I will say that forced appreciation, though, if you're buying an asset that is, you know, uh, like what I do here, you know, like what I do in Los Angeles, I, I flip, I rehab, I force appreciation right. in a lot of times. If you're looking for natural appreciation, I, I really don't think you should bank on that. <laughs> no. No, but even with forced appreciation, there's an exit plan. There's a cash, like there's an exit plan where you get cash out of it. If you're flipping, yeah, you're getting the money out immediately. Yeah. If you're uh, renting, that forced appreciation will also increase rent. Yeah. So the point is you went on both sides. Yeah. If you take on a thing where your mortgage is $2,000 a month and uh, your, uh, your rent is $1,800, you're negative $200. I wouldn't be banking on the appreciation in, with that number. Now, 200 is not necessarily a bad number, but again, that's usually where people probably started. New interest rates, interest rates have gone up at least 4%, if I'm not mistaken. Now that $2,000 mortgage payment becomes 2,900. Well, now you're at a thousand dollars. Definitely, if you didn't lock it in, you know. And I'm also a believer that there's always a deal. Yeah, you know, you know, there's always people that are in distress. There's always distressed houses. There's always distressed properties. I think a lot of times people will back away from something because the interest interest rates went up. That but too. the fact of the matter is, if the numbers work, the numbers work. You exactly. Just have to, you you have to look a little harder for those kind of properties that the numbers are going to work at. But that was my point is the point is that the opportunities are out there that I feel that people should look for cash flowing properties. If you don't find it on Bob street, find it on Jeff street, who cares at the end of the day, if the numbers work, that's what matters, right? Like don't settle just because I, again, this is, this has been my experience also as a realtor. I find people, a lot of people, especially new investors become emotional buyers. And when they're thinking emotional, well, this is the house that I wanted to grow up in. But you're not buying for you. You're buying to rent out. It doesn't matter. Right. What matters is the numbers. What rent are you getting? Right? What's the amount of rent you're getting versus the cost? What's the worst case scenario? Should you lose out on rent for a few months? What if interest rates go up? How would you refinance if interest rates go down? Because that's a possibility too, right? Like you got to look at the numbers. I think that's the primary it concern is, there. It's not a personal business. You know, I mentor a lot of students in flipping and I and they want to do the same thing. They want to put in that stove that they, they wanted. 
And it's like, no, this isn't about you. You're not, you're not making a house up that you want to live in. You're making a house that the, the market demands that, you know, that people that are, people are wanting in this market. You have to look at it that way. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, absolutely. We should do a deal together. <laughs> we, we align on so many things. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Definitely, 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 definitely. I think there will be a future opportunity. Yeah, absolutely, right? Like, yeah, we are right. We do align on a lot of things, right? Because we have the same beliefs, same core values, which is what matters. Absolutely. Awesome. Love this. So from where you are now, where, yeah, you know what? Let me get into the nitty gritty, right? Like since we're talking about interest rate increases and everything that's happening and the future potential turmoil, which means there's opportunity for a lot of people. Um, some people see the negative, some people see the positive. With everything that's happening, where where does that leave you? Like, where does how how has that shifted your plans? Yeah, well, um, it shifted my plans in a, in a few ways, and I and I'm just gonna say, um, what else has shifted is my ideas of what it is I want in the outcome, right? So, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I started getting into real estate, it was all about cash flow. Don't get me wrong, it's still about cash flow for me, but I've accumulated cash flow since then. You know, so, and I'm of a certain age, not gonna say how old I am, but I'm of a certain age where I'm like, hey, I wanna be more relaxed, I wanna travel more, I wanna I wanna enjoy life. That was what the whole cash flow thing was about, right? So I'm also traveling a little more and enjoying my life a little more and enjoying my kids a little more who are, are actually adults now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and having a good time there. So, you know, my advice to other people is that make sure your goals align with where it is that you are, right? So um, do I ever think I'd retire? No, I'm constantly reinventing that. That's that's who I am and that's what I do. So right now um, uh, I am looking at other opportunities that um, will still, you know, foster cash flow, but um, I don't have as much hands on. Like I'm not doing flip right now. I'm not doing ground up construction right now. Those are jobs. Get let me let me just be really clear. That is that is active income. That is income that you are working for. I'm looking at definitely more passive opportunities, whether it's my own deal or investing in other people's deals. So that's where I'm at in my cycle right now. Got it. All right. Which brings up another question. I kind of think I understand this. I kind of get it, but, uh, you know, cause you said you were a limited partner and I know there's general partner. Can you get into what's the difference between them? Sure. Yeah. So, um, first of all, you know, the structure that I'm referring to is a syndication. Yep. Um, so, you know, when things are syndicated there, first of all, there's a lot of regulation just so you guys, everybody knows that it's SEC, there's security regulations to how you run things. And um, many times a general part, general partners will form and they're more active on the deal. They, they're, it's the partnership that's actually running the deal, that's actually hiring the managers or actually approving the um, expenditures that are going into the property, right? They're, they're the, actually the ones that are running the deal. What they'll do is they'll go out and they'll raise money. And the money that they raise comes in through what we call limited partners. We call them limited partners because it's mostly passive investors. And what I mean by passive investors, it means they're going to give a certain amount of money and they're going to um, foster the benefits of the of the property. Um, they're going to take part in the rewards of the property, the income that the property gener generates. These can be structured in all kinds of different ways, but they're also not going to have the ability to say what color the wall 
walls are painted, <laughs> you know, their influence on the property is limited as well, right? So they're, they're mainly a passive investor and the general partnerships, which are the general partners are actually the one running the deal that are actually doing, um, making the decisions on the property itself. Does that make sense? Yep. I've never had to explain that before. <laughs> I kind of understood it, but I, I, I yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, because you know what? There's many ways to skin a cat. Not that you want to skin cats, but I think the point is there. <laughs> yeah. And well, yeah, the fact of the matter is, when you start acquiring assets that are have a lot higher price tag on them, and and you're already um, utilizing investor money to help other people you know, work their money harder than say, you know, in the bank where it's only when it, where it's less than a percent, right. Earning less than a percent. People want to put their money to use, right. Absolutely. I want to put my money to use. I want my money. I, I jokingly say my money's got to go out and come back with as many friends as possible. <laughs> you know, like it, I want to put my money to use. So people who want to put their money to use will, will invest in these kind of vehicles. Absolutely. Yeah. The way I structure mine is uh, very, uh, how can I word it? Like, well, look, this is the way I have it. My corporation is a C corp. Then uh, what would I do is with people I partner up, we start up, start up an LLC, my C corp or own my percentage, which is usually 50. And uh, then everybody else invests to whatever percentage they want, whether it's 10%, 20%. Now there's obviously minimums because, uh, you know, I, there's certain requirements, right? I'm not going to, not going to be able to invest a thousand bucks, put it that way. Um, so I think my minimum is about 50,000. So where I'm going with that is that whatever percentage a person puts in, they get become part of that LLC. Obviously I keep my 50%. I run everything, control everything. And then uh, pretty much every 90 days I send out a check for the uh, dividend or whatever way you want to call it. And then uh, and, uh, after the uh, five to 10 years, depending on when we decide to unload, then everybody gets their percentage at uh, on closing. Great. Yeah. You know, there's so many ways to structure a deal. You know, I, I, my partnership in Puerto Rico is structured differently than my apartment complexes, which is structured differently than my ground up construction. There's so many different ways yeah. for people to invest in real estate, you know, and if you're at all interested in investing in real estate, I highly suggest that you look into that, you know, because the returns are really good. Absolutely. See, the reason I like to do it that way and have controlling interest is because I'm a fast mover. If I find when you have too many people uh, putting in their uh, hats, you know, then what ends up happening is you're always on a stall and waiting is costing just as much money as making the wrong choice. I mean, depending what that wrong choice is, I mean, experienced enough that the wrong choice is you might not like the color on the wall and really who gives a crap. Right. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's not that detrimental. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, what I mean, like, but my point I'm getting at is that when you have too many hats in there, people want to pick and choose the little stupid things like which handles are you going to use on the doors really like really that's what's going to hold us up you know what i mean so i'd rather get the job done get the rehab done move on get it rented out and get that cash flow going and worry less about door handles and paint colors than to sit there and try to discuss every single topic right so i mean i don't make a major decision without people's input like prime example when it comes time to sell I wouldn't just sell it on a person that said, here's your check too bad. Like, that's not something I'm talking about. I mean, when it comes to something big like that, then I, I get input and majority wins kind of thing. Mm. But uh, it's one of those things that, uh, and hey, sometimes when you have five people in a deal, only one person wants out, maybe there's an opportunity to buy that one person out, everyone gets to stay in. Right. Right. So there's plenty of opportunities, plenty of structures. I just, I, I don't believe uh, in having too many uh, hats in the, in the pile because it just, complicates things and delays things yeah yeah 
Yeah, you definitely have to have a clear line of decision making. 100%. So Agreed. But hey, yeah, exactly. So awesome, awesome, awesome. So yeah, so you're more into the passive stuff now, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. Now, you don't. You said you don't see yourself retiring. <laughs> like, obviously, you're a buy and hold person as well. Like, that's obviously part of your portfolio. Yeah. Now, is there any part in time do you see yourself unloading or do you or is it pretty much going with you? <laughs> mm, the only, you know, I mean, the only thing I unload is the things that don't perform for me anymore, you know, and, and I also actually look, look at them as restructuring, you know, restructuring certain assets. And, um, you know, I, I, I love real estate and that's why I don't ever see myself retiring. I'll, I'll be involved in it forever. And now I, you know, coach and mentor people. And that's really fulfilling to me, especially with my Robin's background and helping people overcome their fears, right, of getting into real estate or overcome whatever it is that's stopping them. And, um, and so that's really fulfilling to me. So no, I, you know, like, I see myself in real estate forever. <laughs> awesome. Now, let's touch upon the uh, coaching part and all that and uh, how you got involved with Tony Robbins. Like, how did that come about? So when I got into that accident, you know, I had a year of recovery and my brother actually came out to help take care of me because I needed help. And, um, and he had done a lot of Tony Robbins work. And towards the end of my recovery, I had said, you know, I, I want to change my life. Like, I want more passive income. I want to be able to travel the world. I don't want to be as strapped down as I am right now, you know, answering to all my clients in the current business that I had. And, um, and he said, well, I know that I've been able to make a lot of changes through going to these self-development seminars of Tony's. So maybe once you're able, you should go. And I did. And I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I went, then I started signing up for all kinds of things. And then I, you know, and I realized it was, it didn't take me long to realize that, that I, I want, I needed these tools. I needed to be able to grow both personally and professionally at the same time. You know, I think that people overlook the fact that um, this is going to require growth, personal growth, like overcoming fear requires personal growth. Oh, you know, doing things that are out of your comfort zone requires personal growth, right? And, and we all have the ability to change. We all have the ability to do that. But sometimes we get a little stuck. And that's where coaching comes in. And that's where I found that I was coached the best. I still, I have a number of coaches. It's it's probably pretty ridiculous, but I need that for me to keep going forward. You know, I need people to see my blind spots and be able to call and call it out on it and help me work through it. And and through that process, I learned the techniques that he had that he has that he does to help people turn around, and I was able to do it myself. You know, got it, got it, makes sense. What would you say to someone who's, um, you know, like someone who's looking around and all that and they're, uh, yeah, what would you tell a new, a new investor when they want to get into the market? Um, they want to get into the market. They're not sure what to do, where to start. Um, they've been approached to partner with some. They don't know if they want to partner with someone. They don't know if they should. They don't know the benefits or the downsides. And, you know what I mean? So they're just looking for that uh yeah, a little bit of a boost to help them make that decision. Well, I'll tell I'll tell you what Tony told me is that you align yourself with those that are successful in doing what it is you want to do, right? And then you try to have them be your mentor or try to add value to them in a way that allow you to see their business, right? Because it's it's through that process that we learn the quickest. So you know, I I had this accident 
kind of late in my life. And, you know, I had teenagers in my household and I had a year off and I was self-employed and I went through all my money, right? Like I was looking at starting over again and I, I didn't have time to waste, you know? And I think like a lot of people, like you don't have time to waste. You, once you make a decision about getting where you want to go, you want to get there. And the fastest way to do that is to align yourself with somebody that's doing what, you know, that's gotten there or doing what you want to do. And, um, and that alignment can be in a variety of different relationships, but educate yourself network with those that are doing what you want to do network 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 <laughs> you know and 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 do some self-development so, you know realize what your limiting beliefs are and then question yourself on that have others others question you if you need fantastic in light of time i'm going to ask you two more questions and then i'm going to get into what i call the lightning round and that's just a bunch of fun questions that's more on the personal level sounds good awesome second last question is how do you know you've had a successful day Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think, um, I think I've had a successful day when I end the day, just, you know, happy. <laughs> I once heard a podcast where this woman said, I think my reset button is happy. And I thought I want to be that I want the reset button in my clock to be happy. So yeah, and I'm just happy. Is it a red button, green button? orange? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it matters. It's just reset. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. 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 All right. Last but not least is when if someone's trying to find you or look you up or get in contact with you, where would they go? Yeah, you can go to deborahrazo.com, D-E-B-O-R-A-H-R-A-Z-O.com. And you can schedule some time with me if you want. If you're a woman looking to connect with other women, you can go to reninspires.com. That's the networking organization that I have. And um, yeah, reach out. I'm here. Awesome. That's amazing. All right. Let's get into the lightning round with question number one, which is what is your favorite food and why? Oh my gosh. You're kidding, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, tacos. <laughs> I like the crunch and the taste and the salsa and the hot and spicy. I like it all. Yeah. Tacos is good. I can go for tacos. <laughs> awesome. Question number two, favorite travel spot and why? Italy. Italy. Um, I don't know. I love Italy. I love the tempo there. I love that they take time for life there. And, you know, it's a beautiful language. And I don't know. I love Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their schedule is kind of interesting. They work early in the morning. Yeah. Take a, you know, basically go home for lunch. Yeah. Wait till the afternoon, basically when the sun goes down, then they go back to work for the last part of the work and then they're home for the rest of the night yeah. kind of interesting it's not like us where we go to work at nine and finish at five or whatever sometimes at nine right. and uh, <laughs> you know like it, it's definitely a different pace it feels like they enjoy life more they take in more of life i don't know what it is or maybe i just do when i'm in italy <laughs> hey anything's possible <laughs> awesome all right favorite podcast or book oh i'll have to go with book i'm a i'm an avid reader and I like um, all of Paulo Cal's work, um, specifically The Alchemist. So I would highly recommend if anybody wants to read um, a great book, it's not that long. The Alchemist is kind of an allegory about our journey and it's about a journey through life and, it, and how it twists and turns and you end up where you're supposed to be. <laughs> hey, there's kind of truth in that. There is, there's a lot of truth in that, yeah. Awesome. Last but not least, if you were given unlimited amount of money, but given 48 hours to spend it, 
What you spend, you get to keep. What you don't spend gets taken away. What would you do? Oh God, I'd probably I'd buy a lot of real estate and um, and spend some um, spend probably a lot of money on my kids. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, a question, the last question is, do those kids appreciate the fact that you spend all that money on them? Oh, God. <laughs> kids, I don't know if any kids appreciate it fully. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I doubt it. You mean, you mean to tell me the whole world feels entitled? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I don't know, but there's something, there's something to that. I'm just not sure what it is, and I don't know if I want to dive into it. <laughs> no. uh, it must be something in the Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome, Deborah. It's been phenomenal. What a great show. Thank you so much for being on it. Thank you for having me, John. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. If you like what you saw and you want to see some more, Subscribe to the link below. Thanks for tuning in to The John Papaloni Show.